going to be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, from verses 15 to 21. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Thanks, Rob. Um, well, uh, welcome everyone uh, again. My, my name is Peter. I'm the minister here if you're visiting today. Um, you might have been wondering when you logged on at the start of the service, for those of you who were here right at the very start, I think we even let you in at one minute early, why on earth was Mary Creek um, showing, uh, showing the song Stand By Me from the Royal Wedding? Um, Beck, I think you're sharing the screen still, your screen. Is Beck's screen still being shared? I think she is. Unshare your... Oh, she's done something. I don't know. Okay, I'll just keep going. Um, well, you be, might be wondering why, why, why um, we did that. And that is because... Um, because one of the... I was thinking about all the songs that are, that are in the world that are about helping each other. And there's quite a lot of them. Uh, I started started thinking about it. The first thought that I came to was the Beatles. Um, but uh, there's actually a lot more, a lot better songs than that. I've, I've included the, the Beatles song there. Um, Dion Warwick's That's What Friends Are For, which was one of my first, when I was a kid, one of the first songs I really latched onto, which is a, kind of a cheesy song, but, um, you know, written by Dion Warwick, Warwick. And I think Bert Bacharach had something to do with it as well. And you can tell by the way the song is. But that's a song about friends helping each other. Of course, um, Bill Withers' song, Lean On Me. Great song about helping each other. Um, the most famous one, Ben E. King, Stand By Me, which is what we had um, at the start. Um, the Jackson 5, I'll Be There, uh, is another good one. And Marvin Gaye and Tammy, T Tammy Terrell, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. These are, are all songs about helping each other and it works as a song topic because it's a universal um, human truth that people need each other to get through life and it's also a really important uh, it's an important uh, topic for the Christian faith as well I'm just trying to unshare my screen where is it gone where is my where is my screen gone all right there it is, for some reason. Okay, cool. Um, God's people are there for it. God's people are to be there for each other. 
to help each other when we are in need. We are to stand alongside those who are poor, weak, and struggling. And we do this because this is what it means to worship a God who is a helping God. If there was ever a time when we really needed a helping God, I think it's now. You know, in this time of COVID-19, we, we, we feel like things are looking grim. We feel flat. Perhaps we feel stressed. Work and school is hard. We are separated from our loved ones. And it's in times like these, our faith is put to the test. Well, this morning, as we look at John 14, I hope that you are encouraged because what Jesus has to teach us about the God who helps us is, I think, super encouraging. So let's turn to the passage. Uh, This was the uh, Last Supper. And Jesus had said that while he was about to leave them, that, and while uh, Judas was about to betray him, and while Peter was about to deny him, yet they shouldn't have their hearts troubled. That they should believe in Jesus. That God had a place for them in heaven. And the way to get to God was through Jesus, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And now he moves on to this topic of love. So let me explain to you this incredible piece of dialogue that only lasts six verses, but is so important, so crucial and encouraging to us. Jesus begins by saying that there are ethical implications to loving him. He says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. And if they're serious about their commitment to him, he will pray for him, for them. And the result of that prayer, he says, is that the father will send another advocate to help you and be with you forever, it says in verse 16. And this advocate is the spirit of truth. Jesus had just said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, but now he's saying that there is another advocate, the Holy Spirit, who is also the spirit of truth, the spirit who communicates truth, the spirit who reveals truth. He says, the world's not going to accept the Spirit. Which makes sense, because if you don't accept uh, the Son of God, who is the way, the truth, and the life, there's no way you'll accept the Spirit of truth either. The world can't accept the Spirit because it doesn't see him or know him. The world is completely unaware of what he's doing. But this is not the case for the disciples. He says, They do know the Spirit. You do know the Spirit because the Spirit lives with them. And very soon, he says, the Spirit will be in them forever. God will never remove his Spirit from them. In the short term, they don't have to fear that Jesus will abandon them as orphans. He will return to them at his resurrection. He isn't going to leave them to battle their way through the world as orphans. Now they really have to trust him. Soon he's going to die on the cross and the, and the world, those who do not believe him or love him, they, they're not going to see him anymore. For a few days, he will be completely gone. His body will be buried. As far as the world is concerned, he's gone forever. But the crucifixion will only separate him from the disciples for a few days. After that, they will see him, he says. He will live. He will rise from the dead. And this has huge implications for them. His resurrection is the guarantee that death will not hold them down. 
He will live and so will they live. Then Jesus says, on that day, that day of his resurrection, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I'm in you. You'll be certain of who I am, he says. You will know the truth that I dwell in God the Father and you will know the truth that you dwell in me. All the pieces will fall into place for you. The spiritual penny will drop for you. Then Jesus says, if you internalize my teaching, if you really hold to my commands and own them in your heart and live them out, then you will demonstrate that you love me. Knowing my commands, understanding them is important, but not the main game. You have to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer, says James in, in, in James' epistle. If you do this, then you will demonstrate that you really do love me. And the Father will notice your love for me, says Jesus. And because you love me, he will love you and I will love you as well. So that's basically what happens in those six verses. And now what I want to do is drill down a little bit deeper into what Jesus meant by his promise that God will give them another advocate to help them and be with them forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus is, of course, talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. But why does he call the Holy Spirit advocate? There's heaps of names that he could have used. And I'll put some of them on the screen for you. Um, he could have used, here we go. Uh, he could have used words like the breath of God, spirit of counsel, eternal spirit, free spirit. You can read through them. There's lots of names he could have chosen, but instead he uses the name advocate. The name for the Holy Spirit, which the NIV Bible translates as advocate, it's, it's rich in meaning. And it means, at a simple level, it means call to the side of someone for the purpose of helping. See, the, the Holy Spirit is advocate. He can only come when Jesus goes away. And this is because his work is a consequence of the saving work of Jesus. He comes in the name of Jesus, but it's only because Jesus has died for us and paid for our sins that the Holy Spirit's able to be our advocate. The Holy Spirit can come and take up residence inside our hearts. Jesus, remember, he calls him another advocate as well. So he calls the Holy Spirit, you know, a, someone who is just like him because Jesus is, himself is called the advocate in the Bible. And so he's saying, well, the Holy Spirit is another advocate. And there are two, we have really only one word for another in English, another. But in, um, in Greek, there are two words for another. One which is a bit like the same, the, the same as. And the other word for another is similar to. Jesus uses the word for the same as. In the, in the same way that Jesus helped the disciples, so too will this Holy Spirit, the advocate, help you when he is gone, he says. He's a spirit of truth. He has a moral aspect to his work. He's a teacher and reminds us of what Jesus teaches. 
He bears witness to Christ. He's a spotlight on Christ. Um, in old translations, I think it was King James, the advocate was translated as comforter. But this is an unhelpful uh, an unhelpful concept of, of, of how to think of the Holy Spirit. It makes me think of uh, the Udi. You know, the Holy Spirit as the Udi just makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Well, the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> the advocate, is not our Udi. Better to think of the advocate as the one who pleads on our behalf to God the Father. He reminds us of and convinces us of the gospel truth. He instructs us in the words of Jesus. He suggests true reasonings to our minds and true courses for our lives. People often think of the Holy Spirit as the one who whispers in our ears. And, you know, that's not a bad way to think about the Holy Spirit as the advocate. The one who stands alongside us and whispers in our ears. We get this image from the story of Elijah in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, where the prophet is Elijah is seeking out God and he, 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 there, there is a powerful wind, but it says God, God, God's voice is not in the wind. And then there's a mighty earthquake and God's voice is not in the earthquake. There's a roaring fire, but God does not speak through the roaring fire. But after that came a gentle whisper. It was in the gentle whisper that God spoke. Um, I, I, I think it's good to think of the spirit, the advocate, who speaks powerfully to us in whispers. One of my favourite shows on TV is is uh, The West Wing. And I love how in The West Wing, when the president is having an official phone call to the Russian president or the uh, French ambassador, his staff brief him first and they stand next to him, they talk in his ear, they tell him what to say, they tell him what to expect. If he's at an event, they write his speech for him. And when... The visitors to the White House comes and he doesn't have any idea who they are. They whisper into his ear, oh, that person's, you know, this so-and-so, and they give the name and background of the person quickly. Being president is one of the hardest jobs there is. He needs help, and this is what the Holy Spirit, our advocate, does for us. But as the advocate, the Holy Spirit shouts at us too. And I don't mean shouts at us like an angry school teacher or your parents when you don't go to bed on time. Not a mean shout, but a shout of passion. The Holy Spirit is what I call our Cedric Doubler. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does anyone have any clue what I'm talking about? Our Cedric Doubler. Our Holy Spirit is our Cedric Doubler. You might remember. With a lap to go in the 1500 metres, in the decathlon in the Olympics, Cedric Dubler, the guy on the left on the screen here, realised he wasn't going to get any medal. But his friend, Ashley Maloney, had a chance of a medal. So he started running next to him. And, and Maloney said, he was screaming, I can't repeat, can't repeat what he said, says Ashley Maloney. I could, hear his vo- I could hear his voice bouncing in my cranium like a bat out of hell. Come on, you can do it. I'm with you all the way. Remember what the coach taught us. I'm going to push you to get a medal. We're going to run together over that finish line in record time. This was the last of the 10 events and, 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 and Maloney said that he was starting to feel the pain of it all. But Doubler encouraged and helped pace him. And he eventually, as we know, 
Ashley Maloney got bronze, which is Australia's first ever medal in the Olympic decathlon. How inspiring and encouraging was Cedric Dubler? And I want to say the Holy Spirit is a bit like Cedric Dubler, the advocate who stands alongside us, runs alongside us. He shouts in our ear, but in a good kind of shouting, an encouraging shout, and a championing shout. He's our friend who run, runs alongside us. He wants to see us succeed. See, when we read the Bible, and when we read the Gospel of John, we see how clear it is. Some things that are pretty full on. We're clear that one day we will all face our own judgment before God. And on top of that, we see ourselves as, we are to see ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of God. So there are high standards for us as Christians. A standard which is so high Frankly, that we can't do it on our own. So we need the Holy Spirit, the advocate, to stand alongside us, to run alongside us and champion us on, to remind us of the right path, to advise us in our decision-making and to be our friend to hold us up when we fall down, our friend who will stand next to us in the heavenly courtroom, reminding us of Jesus' words. The reality is that we need help from the Holy Spirit in every area of our faith journey. And even when we don't realise it, he's helping us. But also, it's really important and really good to ask for help. To pray and ask God for help from the Holy Spirit. And there are also some areas of faith where I have learned Christians really need help, but don't think to ask for help. Often we forget to draw on the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit to ask God to send his Holy Spirit to us so that we can be helped. And I thought I'd look briefly at three of those as we finish. The first area we often forget to ask for help for is in the area of confidence. Uh, I see from Christians at a young age often a basic lack of confidence to stand up and be counted as a Christian at school. And this goes into high school often and even into the workplace when you get older, amongst friends or the sporting club. So many Christians I know want to be upfront about their faith. We all do, but lack confidence to say something. And so we have two choices. One is to keep on going in disguise, which is no good. Because we're to let our light shine before all people. Well, the other choice is to stand up and be counted. Instead of trying to overcome your fear by just gritting your teeth. Well, a better way to do it is to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, the advocate, to help you. You can pray, God, give me strength by your Holy Spirit to talk about my faith and reveal my love for Jesus to my friends and colleagues. Give me opportunities to talk about church or the Bible or prayer or any Christian topic. Give me opportunities to talk about Jesus. Please, Holy Spirit, help me not to be nervous. 
Remember what Jesus said in our passage from last week, the very last verse of our passage from last week, John 14, 14. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about, in that verse, unconditional granting of selfish prayers or worldly prayers. <coughs> He's talking about the unconditional granting of prayers that help you live the life of a disciple. So we can pray to the Holy Spirit to give us strength for confidence to stand up and be counted as a Christian. The second area I see commonly um, that people forget to ask the Holy Spirit for strength in is the area of obedience. We forget to ask God for help by his Holy Spirit to resist temptation. So many people struggle with sins of addiction, sins of all kinds. So much so that they eventually integrate these sins into their daily lives and make them normal. <coughs> it might be sins of anger or jealousy towards people. It might be sins of greed and the constant desire for more money and possessions. It might be sins of lust. So what do you do? First of all, you start, have to stop feeling or beating yourself up and feeling shame about this. If you want to change, you begin by knowing that Jesus loves you. You need to know that the Holy Spirit is your friend and wants to help you. He's your Cedric Dublin. Just remember that photo. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's going to run alongside you and champion you away from temptation. Paul says in Romans 8, 20, 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And so a really good basic Christian practice uh, is to spend time in quiet reflection about areas of sin in your life that you would like to change. List them on a piece of paper, which you can help, which you can keep in your top drawer in your Bible or something like that, somewhere where you're going to go back to it. And then pray through the list. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, to give you strength to overcome temptation. And I guarantee you, you will find a new strength. One of my favorite Bible verses is Isaiah 40, verse 31, which says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. If you ask the Holy Spirit to be your advocate and to help you to resist temptation, you will soar on wings like eagles. And this leads me to the last area that I see we really need help in, and especially in this time of lockdown, um, and that is the area of perseverance. Perhaps instead of Ashley Maloney and Cedric Dubler, this image reflects a bit more like what you feel like at the moment. This is Patrick Tiernan the Australian 10,000-metre runner, who in the, in the final in Tokyo collapsed under the pressure of the heat and exhaustion. His legs filled with lactic acid. He hit what the athletes call failure point, where the muscles just start to not work anymore. He said he ran out of juice. 
and only just stumbled across the line after falling over several times. I think the mental exhaustion of lockdowns can make us feel like this, that we're reaching failure point and that our muscles are giving away. And, and I think it can feel like that to do, to do with our faith as well. The mental exhaustion of the lockdowns can really affect our relationship with God, the way we feel about it, at least. We can start to feel like giving up. And it can feel like God is not there. Well, the thing is, he is there. He loves you and he wants to help you. And you need him. There's a Christian novelist, Tim Downs, and he writes this really good thing here. I'll say it to you. He writes, watches, cars and Christians can all look chromed. And shiny. But watches don't tick, cars don't go, and Christians don't make a difference without insides. For a Christian, that inside is the Holy Spirit. Your engine is the Holy Spirit. Ask Him for help to keep going in your faith. Pray for perseverance. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray, everyone. I'm going to pray a prayer of Augustine. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen.